Find your point of difference. Make sure everybody in the community knows what you are doing. Make sure your friends and family know. There's a lot of short-term rental operators that even their own family do not know what they are. I'll put it out there. Tell people that you've got properties that you can rent out. By doing that and building that brand in the community and making sure people knew where I was, including a, a physical office with signage. I had four to five properties a week of people coming through that we appraised. We didn't take all of those, but it was nice to know we had a choice. We could say, no to people. We didn't have to go door knocking and looking for those properties. Everybody wanna get the bag, but y'all really know what it's gonna take. Trying to figure out how to start now. Blue gels, about to show you the way. Cause we top finance and them up chasing and anything it takes to get real estate. We've been grinding up there, finding ways to get paid. Better hop on this wave, cause we're dropping blue gems. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems. Another episode of Blue Gems Let's Podcast go. with Julie George. Let's go. <laughs> all the way from Australia. It's a long way to come and see you, boys. I, I tell know. You. It's crazy. So let's get into it. How did you get started in short-term rentals? What are you up to now? All that good stuff. Well, my favorite story to tell, 2016 is where I started with one apartment, probably most like a lot of our short-term rental operators in the industry. Started with my own property, saw the success and saw how much money could be made. Well, that was kind of great. Uh, But also (laughs) that reciprocal review system that Airbnb has that everyone's on their best behavior. So including me. And I just was able to use my own investment property for the first time ever. I was able to use it for relatives to come and stay in. I just loved it. And I was working as a real estate broker at the time. I just thought there's an opportunity here to take what I'm doing personally and turn it into a short-term rental business in a property management style setup, taking fully furnished homes, listing them on Airbnb or short-term rental sites, and then taking a commission and turning that into a business model, which really hadn't been done before too much in 2016, put in a really good structure, I've got to say. And then it, it scaled up to 130 properties properties in two and a half years, generating $8 million. Like it blew my mind. I like, I just, I still get so excited. And so I'm so proud of what I achieved and then packaged it up. And just before COVID, I sold it. I sold that business. So good timing. But now I get to travel the world. I get to hang out. I saw you guys like six weeks ago. Here I am again. I know I'm going to see you again in a couple of weeks time, but I just get to travel the world and meet budding entrepreneurs who are wanting to replicate my success and wanting to be like, if I can motivate and inspire and support and lift people up to that level, job done. I need to brag for a second. I've got two people that I've been mentoring. They're both school teachers. Two years oh, ago, nice. they came to me and they said, I hate, you know, I don't want to live week to week anymore. I want to uh, do something more. And I said, right, do this. I, and I gave them the steps to follow. They did it. I'm so proud that they're both now running multi-million dollar companies. They have wow. given school teaching away, multi-million dollar companies, but they've employed so many people in their respective communities uh, and yeah, grown their own little empires. So that's what I'm about, helping people build their own empires. Wow, that is uh, Amazing. appropriate bragging rights right there. Yeah, that's incredible. Sure. <laughs> Thank you for letting me brag. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So you sold the business. So what are you doing now with all your time? <laughs> 
whatever I want. (laughs) Is that the right answer? Yeah, I've sold the business. I have moved into the coaching, the mentoring space. I really love doing one-on-one coaching. And that is taking people's, well, just meeting on Zoom, most likely Zoom, because I am based in Australia. If I am in the States, I will meet face-to-face. But doing a Zoom call with a company, getting into the, the weeds of where they're at, what are they challenged with at the moment? What are the bottlenecks in their businesses? And just being able to help them work through it, streamline their processes, give them the templates and the documents that I use personally in my business and say, don't reinvent the wheel, use my documents. And so, of course, uh, you know, people have taken that up and we're seeing really good success stories come through. I think there was, gosh, you know, I worked with about 88 different companies last year. This year, not so many because I'm doing a bit more travel this year now that COVID's (laughs) opened up. But traveling around the world, I'm getting to do some incredible things like judge the Shorties Awards. Now, the Shorties Awards are the worldwide industry awards for short-term rentals. Wow. Uh, held in London every year. So I got to go to London this year to hand out awards. I've written a second best-selling book called Hospitable Hosts. I've written a chapter in that. So I've got two best-selling books on Amazon now, Million Dollar Host and Hospitable. And I get to come to conferences. So we're right now we're in Houston. We've just been at the Rentalpreneur Conference with TJ Tajani. I get to speak on stage for half an hour, but for the rest of the time, I get to be play tourist and enjoy the States and get to see some incredible sights around the world. So um, living the dream. That's awesome. Love that. So like, let's rewind just a little bit. So you scaled it from zero to 130. What were the the steps that you started out with to like from one to five and then 10 to 20? Like what what were you doing? It was hard work right at the beginning. (laughs) One to five, well, actually one to 20 is probably would be where there was not a lot of sleep. There was a lot of work that I had to put in myself. And I would always say to anybody in that same position, you just have to put in that hard work and that in the hard yards. You need to know what it's like to clean a toilet, what it's like to go and meet a guest in the middle of the night when they've they've locked themselves out, uh, how to handle a Wi-Fi issue when the Wi-Fi fails. You've got to go through all of those steps. So running the business as hands-on as possible initially. But when I got to five properties, I knew that I couldn't go out and get another property because my capacity was maxed out. I actually found a co-host and I developed a business structure in my secret sauce. I'm going to give you guys the secret sauce on today's Blue Gems. Let's drop some gems. Uh, Is that uh, the secret to the success was that I, at five properties, I found a co-host that I could hand those to to run the day-to-day operations. So I said to this gentleman, Glenn, in his 70s, I said, you do all the communication. You meet and greet the guests in person. You do the cleaning. You do replace the consumables, report any repairs and maintenance, and you get to do the laundry and then do it all again. And so he was happy to take on that responsibility. He was really proud to see those five-star reviews coming through for the properties. It worked beautifully. So the day-to-day operations, I handed off and then I concentrated on where I excelled and that was to go out and market and get more properties in onto the portfolio, dealing with the homeowners. Eventually, when I got to 50 properties and I'm skipping ahead a little here, I kept repeating that process and putting more co-hosts on. When I got to about 50 properties, I was able to afford an employee and then I put that person in a property management position to oversee the co-hosts, but also to deal with homeowners. I was sick of homeowners by that (laughs) stage. So homeowners uh, can be a little demanding. And the secret to dealing with that is to set those boundaries very early on with the homeowner and to get black and white what is up here and verbal conversations of how we're going to manage your property. Put it in black and white because you just will never, you know, there may be contingencies, there might be issues like why is the pool fence not cleaned? Why is the garden overgrown? Well, as property 
property managers, where for me, I was assuming we were looking after the inside of a property. The homeowner was assuming we were doing the whole property. So we've got to take that assumptions and get the gray area out put the black and white in. And that would be a tip that I would give any of your listeners today that are looking to build a property management business. Make sure you've got solid management agreements, black and white. Have those horrible conversations up front. Tell the homeowners when you can be contacted. You are not at their beck and call 24-7 and get really clear. And then make sure you're charging enough as well, because I see a lot of people nervous about valuing their time and their, their services. But yeah, so I guess at 50 properties, I put somebody in charge of all of that. And then I was able to really work on the business, not in the business from 50 properties to 130. The one thing I couldn't give up was the money. I had to check that transaction history every day. I had to check my bank balance every day. I was like counting my money in the castle sort of thing <laughs> and uh, and making sure that any pays, I made the payments. But do you know what? If you had a bookkeeper on, you probably didn't have to work the 10 hours a week that I was working. So 10 hours was all I was doing. I knew that I had the formula right when I turned up to my office and the girls would say, stop, what are you doing? here, don't touch anything. And at that point, I knew that they knew my business better than I knew it. So as long as you've got a framework, a good team and good systems, anything is possible. I love that. So how big was your team from zero to 50 to 120 from an employee perspective? Zero to five was me. (laughs) Um, And then I would put somebody on in the team for about every five to 10 properties I took on, I put on another co-host. So some of my co-hosts would only have five properties because they only wanted to work part-time. It might be a mum who's got school-aged children, might be a senior citizen who just wants to work part-time or a student. And this is where I would say to people, look in your community for the people that are showing entrepreneurial skills, have that ambition, but just need an opportunity. And if you can present that, they're the people that you want on board. When I got to... 50, I put on that first employee. When I got to 130, I had three employees and then I had 15 co-hosts. So I had 18 in total, which to me, I'm probably most proud that not only was this business model a success for myself, but it was also a success in the community that I was able to offer up employment opportunities and help change other people's lives as well. And then how do you compensate a co-host? And and what is a co-host? A lot of people kind of define it differently, right? They do indeed. So for me, a co-host was somebody that was going to, well, literally uh, be a co-host on Airbnb, which was they were sharing all the information on Airbnb on my profile for the properties that I gave them. And they were doing all of the guest communication. They were introducing themselves and saying, hello, I'm Julie's co-host and I will be meeting you at the property. I'll be taking care of you during your stay. Now, people didn't have a problem with that. So on my Airbnb profile, it had under Julie 130 properties, but under Glenn's, he had only five of his. But now I was charging homeowners 25 percent commission. I was paying Glenn 6%. So my co-hosts were getting 6% plus the full cleaning fee from the guest. So it was a very easy math and I knew, so I'm not good at math, so I need to keep things simple, right? (laughs) So I needed to know that whatever booking was coming in, I wanted to quickly look at it, know that 25% was coming to my business, 75% was going to the owner. No hidden fees or charges. From that, I knew that 19% was coming into my pocket. I worked out very quickly that 10% was profit, 9% were running expenses. So I could actually look at a booking and go, okay, I'm going to profit $500 off that. I mean, my shopping habit increased as (laughs) I would see those numbers come through, but the numbers were there. So 25% to the homeowner. I paid my 
my co-host 6% plus the cleaning fee. And then after 9% running running costs, I would have 10% profit. So the breakdown of the 130 that you had, were they all single family homes? Did you have commercial? Did you have some motels? What did that look like? Great question. In the beginning, I took anything and everything. What a mistake. We did the same. Um, so. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I knew I'd made a mistake when these little single units that I had, I started getting some bad reviews on Airbnb and I started to try and defend the drugs and the deals and the police by saying it's a cultural experience. And <laughs> I tried anything to make sure that, you know, it was all good on Airbnb. I eventually realized I had to let those go. I had to get out of that and I had to focus primarily on two to three bedroom units were probably my favorite niche just for the area that we were in, but also some larger single family homes as well. My theory, looking back in hindsight, there was as much work that went into those little one bedroom apartments than there was the seven bedroom mansions. Guess what? You're making more money on at the end of the day. So, you know, in hindsight, I should have just focused on the higher luxury end, but I think it's a confidence thing. And I think as you grow in this business, you will learn that or you get a coach like myself or like TJ Tajani to show you how to do it. And then you can jump and fast track your success by focusing in on the right properties and the right property owners. So there were plenty of properties that I loved, but the property owners were a pain in the ass. And I'm sorry, I am going to just put it out there. Uh, Pain in the ass. And I would actually test them. I would go in and do the appraisal on the property. I would pick on something. It would be anything to say, you actually need to buy a new sofa before we can put it on short-term rentals. Now, if there was any resistance or if there was hesitation or there was micromanagement going on, I would decline that property because I just knew that in the short-term rental industry, we're always going to face situations where we're going to have to ask for more money from the homeowners. We're going to have to ask for replacement items. Or if they're too precious about some of their furniture, it's probably not going to work. So homeowners, just as important as the right properties that you're going to be choosing when you are in the property management game. And where were you finding all your clients mainly? Well, they were finding me. So here's the other secret sauce is that if you can build your brand in the marketplace through holding free education sessions on short-term rentals, getting into the media and writing stories and articles, social media, TikTok. I mean, you know, if we could all become TikTok stars, the world would be a greater place. If only I could sing, dance and cook. Um, But um, the secret I would suggest to anybody out there is find your point of difference. Make sure everybody in the community knows what you are doing. Make sure your friends and family know. There's a lot of short-term rental operators that even their own family do not know what they are up to. Put it out there. Tell people that you've got properties that you can rent out. By doing that and building that brand in the community and making sure people knew where I was, including a a physical office with signage. I had four to five properties a week of people coming through that we appraised. We didn't take all of those, but it was nice to know we had a choice. We could say no to people. We didn't have to go door knocking and looking for those properties. So I know there's some things that you can't disclose about the sale of the business, but I'm just curious how you even went about it being open for sale. Yeah, sure. So I can't tell you the price only for legal reasons, but I can say I don't have to work again ever. <laughs> Woohoo! Ultimate payday. Folks, you are building a saleable asset when you're building a property management company. I didn't even think to sell. I just was a approached by a larger company called Home Time in Australia. And they said to me, look, would you be consider selling your management portfolio? My initial reaction was, hands off, no one's touching my baby. But when I started thinking about it, my passion for the 
operations, dealing with homeowners, dealing like as much as I'm saying, it's all easy, it's all great. The stress of knowing that I had four to 500 people staying in Julie's property that night and maybe something could go wrong, that coupled with the fact my book had gone bestseller, I was getting speaking opportunities around the world and I freaking love to travel and love to <laughs> live this lifestyle I'm living now. I just thought, wow, it's meant to be. Maybe I need to consider this sale. So I thought if there's one buyer out there, there'll be two buyers out there. So I actually went out and started to look for a second buyer with the help of a consultant. We managed to find two people to bid against each other. And look, the sale process itself is a pretty long process. And you need to be aware that I guess if you're looking to sell your property management company, you may be asked to stay on a few months after the sale goes through so that you can help with the transition. Because you don't, the new owner does not want to risk losing those managements, losing the homeowners to, that may leave. So there's a little bit of transition there. But you know what? It's the best thing I ever did, especially considering it was just prior to COVID. So it was Maybe. just great timing. Not sure that the new owners would say the same <laughs> thing. But folks, if you have got 10 properties or more and you're in the market at the moment, in the next 12 months, I know the acquisitions are going to ramp up. And just be prepared that you could exit your management company by selling to maybe a bigger player in the market. Let's talk about your book a little bit. Like what inspired you to write this book? Because I can only imagine like all of us or anyone that writes a book, it's not something that you're you prepared for, right? <laughs> no, it was um, there's a couple of reasons I, I decided to write Million Dollar Host. One being a very obvious reason that I had a fantastic story to tell. The story of making a million dollars in the first year of running a short-term rental company without owning any real estate, without having to put any money into the business. I mean, I, full disclaimer, I put $9,000 in to buy some computers, some software, a really good vacuum cleaner. <laughs> but I didn't have 9000 Like surely everyone can go get a credit card and get started. I was being asked repeatedly, how did you do it? How did you make this such a success? How did you scale so quickly? And I wanted to put my story in writing. So that was reason number one. Reason number two was that I have a son, Joshua, who's 23. Now, when I wrote the book, he was 19. And you know, 19-year-old boys do not care at the least what their mothers are up to. So I thought, I need to write this down and leave my son a legacy, you know, and my story. One day he may be interested, one day his children may be interested in what grandma did, but I know that those books will outlast me. I've got a certain time period on this planet and you can play this at my eulogy if you, you know, I know that's terrible. Isn't it? Uh, but folks, look, the one thing we're all certain of is tax and death. I just knew that if I could write my story down for my family, but also for my budding entrepreneurs out there that wanted some inspiration, what a great combo. And uh, it's the best business card I've ever produced because it's got me into Chesky's office at Airbnb. It's got me around the world. Here I am talking to you guys now in Houston, Texas. Uh, I haven't seen any cowboys here yet, but um, <laughs> I'm expecting to... The adventure continues. Love that. We are thrilled to announce Blue Gems Management. After building out 24 short-term rental properties of our own, we're now helping other investors buy their time back. With over 300 five-star reviews, we really understand the importance of guest experience. If you're interested in making short-term rentals passive, click the link in the show notes below and someone from our team will contact you soon. Now back to the show. 
So where do you see Airbnb short-term rentals in 2022? A lot of talk about saturation, a lot of talk about bookings going down. I want to get your opinion on that. I feel like we're actually on the cusp of something bigger and better than we've ever seen before. Travel has just opened up again now. Uh, the the Aussies are traveling. Be warned, everybody. Um, <laughs> yes, be, lock up your daughters or sons or whatever you need to do. But <laughs> the Australians are traveling and we're traveling in force. And But when we're traveling now, we're not wanting to stay in a hotel. We're wanting to stay somewhere we can cook our own meals, wash our own clothes, have space, be aware of you know the viruses and all the horrible things in our world at the moment. That coupled with the fact that a lot of people are looking to get into the business and I just see that there's so much opportunity, but I really feel like the trend is moving to that short-term rentals are going to take over. <laughs> you know, they'll be more popular than hotels, maybe not for the next 12 months, but give it two or three years. And I think that short-term rentals is certainly going to be the number one accommodation option out there. You only have to look at someone like Marriott Homes and Villas, massive hotel chain. What are they doing at the moment? They're getting into the short-term rental space. They're taking on luxury properties and they are advertising them to their on their Marriott website saying, if you want the Marriott experience, you can stay in a five-bedroom, three-bathroom mansion on the waterfront and we will look after you like we would in the Marriott. I actually think we'll see a lot more of that happening. So hotel chains getting into our short-term rental space. So if you were to buy right now, if you said, hey, you know what, I'm going to start buying again. Traveling's great, but I'm going to start buying some properties. Where would you look? <laughs> Man, okay, now you've got me thinking. <laughs> But if I tell you, then everyone's going to buy there. And, uh, and, then it's saturated. Uh, yeah, okay, then it's saturated. Maybe, maybe the fourth right. best so one, right? So the fourth best yeah. one. No, I'll tell you, somewhere that I really have had my eye on is, and I know that everybody else has as well, is the Poconos. I was looking at real estate there and looking at how cheaply you can buy real estate in that Poconos area and what the nightly rates are. A good friend of mine, Kenny Bedwell, has a company called STR Insights. Mm. And if you haven't looked at this, folks, it's going to kick Air DNA's ass. And <laughs> sorry, Air DNA, I love you guys too. But <laughs> STR Insights, my goodness, they are a platform and I've been playing on their platform where I can actually, I don't have to guess this anymore. I can actually say that I'm looking to invest $500,000 in America and I'm looking for particularly a four-bedroom waterfront home. So I could just be that specific. It will calculate the actual area's best price, best return for short-term rentals. It will give me a nightly rate and it will say the best place, for instance, might be Fort Lauderdale. You can get a four-bedroom on the waterfront for $500,000 and it's going to bring in 800 bucks a night. Wow. So it will actually give you those figures. So STR Insights, there we go. There's my key. So I don't actually have to guess anymore. So I say Poconos. But I don't know. I need to check out STR Insights and see what it says. <laughs> That's a great answer. I love it. Numbers don't lie. Yeah, I was just, uh, someone just told me about Poconos oh, again. Yeah. Like I've been hearing about a bunch and yeah, it's probably a good market. You know, anywhere that's, two to three hours from a, in a drivable market from a big city center. So I'll tell you the other one, Lake Arrowhead in uh, California. Lake Arrowhead is going off and that's just with people that I'm working with and they're going to kill me now because they're trying to invest there. But, um, but Lake Arrowhead and Poconos would probably be my top two picks at the moment. And then after you're, I wouldn't say done traveling, but after you get over the, you know, euphoria of selling the business. What do you plan to do after that? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, and the 
beauty of it is how cool is it? I'm not worried. I'm not stressed because when I just think when life can't get any better, it does. And my philosophy is dream big and then dream bigger. At the moment, I'm all about, I just want to connect with everybody I've talked to on Clubhouse for the last 12 months, <laughs> uh, everybody I've Zoomed with for the last two years. It's like a big school reunion. And I feel like I'm going around the world and everywhere I go, I meet up with friends. Um, so, cool. so it's just, I, I'm just lapping that up at the moment, loving the consulting, loving doing coaching work, loving these events. So if you're in an area that I'm doing a live event, please don't be shy. Please come and say hello to me because I just, I love meeting people and just hearing their stories and connecting. So um, good question. I'll come back to you. Ask me that in two years and we'll see where we're at. <laughs> Perfect. We'll bring you back around. Sounds good. Episode 150. <laughs> we have a lot of uh, rookie investors. You know, they just learn about short-term rentals. So what would be your advice for someone just starting out? Educate yourself. And I'm looking straight down the barrel <laughs> of the camera here. Educate yourself. Because a lot of people jump in without knowing without knowing a lot of, the, you know, and I think you've just got to do your education, whether it is podcasts, whether it is reading books, whether it's coming to live events, getting yourself a coach, getting yourself a mentor. Don't do it the hard way. Don't do it like I did in 2016. We didn't have the luxury of any of those things. 2016, it's only six years ago, but it feels like a lifetime ago. I would have given, oh gosh, I would have given my left arm to get a coach in this industry to fast track my success. I made plenty of mistakes. No one needs to do that anymore. So getting educated, doing a course, getting a, a coach, do that straight away because, and then get the, the next step would be get very solid on your business plan, get a really good framework, get organized with your systems and your processes. Even if you've got one property, you need to automate but not complicate your business. So, uh, so yeah, education and then, uh, and then get in and put that business plan together. If you can go back in time to the beginning of your business, what's one thing you would have done differently? <laughs> Probably, well, I would have done that if I could have. Gosh, good question. Um, so what would I have done differently? Oh, I know. Oh, okay. Have I got a gem for you? <laughs> oh my God. Go. Okay. <laughs> I generated over $8 million in that two and a half year period. But guess who did not use dynamic pricing? This idiot. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, what a moron. At the time, if you'd said you should use dynamic pricing, I would have gone, I know better. I'm in Australia. Why would you tell me what I should be charging per night on my property? That was my attitude. What an idiot. So I have now, I've got properties that I've got on short-term rentals now. First thing I did was I engaged Price Labs and Price Labs, you need to sponsor me because I keep telling this story. I put Price Labs on and I calculated the difference that I was making with Price Labs from my guesstimate that I would have made, it was 10 to 12% more that I was making with dynamic wow. pricing. And it doesn't matter what pricing tool you use, just use one. Now, if you guys are smart and you're good at math, if 10 to 12% of $8 million, that's a million dollar mistake that I made by not using dynamic pricing. So use dynamic pricing, people. Okay, so this is the last question. If you could leave one last gym, one blue gym with the audience, and it could be about business, it could be about scaling, it could be about traveling, it could be about life in general, what would you want to share? Don't use American Airlines. They lost my luggage. Oh no, that's <laughs> not what you're after. In all seriousness, and this is a, a gem that relates to personal life and business, surround yourself with people that enhance you. If you are dealing with people day to day that drain you of energy, run for the hills. If you've got people that lift you up, support you, give you energy, and you feel good when you're around them, stick with it. Get people on your team that are smarter than you and give you that energy. Find people that enhance you and I promise you, your life will be much better. You'll be much happier and you can live the dream like me. Love that. And well, where can it. people find you? Yeah, sure. So social media. So I am on TikTok, <laughs> but uh, no, you can find me on Facebook. 
Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn under Julie George or Million Dollar Host and also milliondollarhost.com.au. Awesome. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much. Really an episode. incredible episode. Really appreciate it. If you're interested in scaling your short-term rental portfolio and networking with like-minded individuals, we host a short-term rental meetup once a month in downtown Orlando. Click our link below in the show notes to register. See you at the next one. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems.